you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, the field on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's come to my attention that this show is feuding with Corey and Mike on Back to Debbie. Come to my attention, Chris. Did you know this? I did. I actually was featured on their show today, uh, trying to bridge the gap between the two. Matt, did did you realize this? I did, and I stand with Felix, not with Moxley. Moxley over here trying to broker peace now, sir. No, 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 no. We're coming for Mike Mallory, baby. No, no, no. We want, we want war. We absolutely want war. I've been waiting for this. Uh, I've been waiting for this conflict for a while. so we can't put the Canton on wherever you get your podcast so you can see where this goes. March is Campus to Canton Month. So all of our content, we're going to have articles. Our podcasts are going to be focused on breaking things down to an elemental level. For beginners, for folks who haven't interacted with us, who haven't tried the format before, we're really trying to grow not only our format, but college fantasy football. And we think that if we take the entire month to make it break it down to the basics, we could help do that. So March is Campus to Canton Month. If you're interacting with us, use the hashtag C2C Month on Twitter. I would really like to see if we can get that trending in our space. I want to talk about startups today, league settings, get into ADP that we're seeing. Some guys that you think are foundational players in startup drafts. Matt, what, what's so funny, Matt? This... Behind, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Behind you'll the you'll scenes. find out later. You'll find out later. Um, But I want to – but, yeah, that's what I want to do today. Um, 
Chris, I mean, give us some in-camp leagues. Obviously, yeah, two drafts, your, your college side and your NFL side. Any general advice on how to approach startup drafts? I, I know what your I know what your advice is gonna be. And Matt, we're gonna have to tear him down for this one. So we were just in a a startup mock with you know a lot of uh influencers in the space. Cooper from uh 24-7, like th- this is a you know, was a really exciting exercise we did and i think i took eight quarterbacks in the first 10 picks if i didn't take eight i at least took seven and i'm pretty sure i took eight uh and a lot of them were freshman quarterbacks uh they retain value better than most do at the position and so if you want to flip them a year from now you can and my whole thought outside of you know around like one or two is minimize risk any way you can and try to maximize upside. And I think you're maximizing upside by doing this strategy. And it is not a popular one and I am ready to be flamed, but I understand why the opposite opinion exists. I just think strategically it is the optimal roster strategy maximizer. Matthew, Chris Moxley, all right, let me look at this mock draft. We are going to have a show tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern where we go over this mock draft. And I just, I'm going to, these are Chris's picks, okay? Uh, In the (laughs) first round, he took Emeka Abuka, fine. In the second round, he took took Malachi Nelson, fine. In the third round, he took Arch Manning, fine. Nice pick. In the fourth round, he takes Jackson Arnold, Okay. Another good pick. All right. Fine. Let's I don't understand the position. issue here. No. No. We're not moving on to other positions. In the fifth round, he takes Devin Brown, who okay. is Compete. probably Ohio less State than a 30% enough. chance yeah. to start at Ohio State this year. And then in the, does he stop there, Matthew? No. <laughs> he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. In the sixth round, he takes Ty Simpson. 70% to start at Ohio State this year? Okay. I don't I don't think that that's true at all. Then he finishes his draft in the ninth and tenth round. This is just uh uh ten rounds of a mock draft with Sam Levitt from Michigan State in Lincoln Cardinals. A high state quarterback. I uh, Matthew, this is this is one of those ones where you like like you tell the kids, <laughs> don't try, don't try this at home. I would advise the kids not to do this at all. Not, not don't try this at home. Don't, don't do this at all. I, I get like the first four. <laughs> it's, it's continuing to do it after the fact. I mean, you said that these guys don't lose value. I mean, if you just look at the quarterbacks in our tier one and two from last year, I would argue only like maybe three of those guys retain their value. I mean, maybe if you want to put Connor Wigman in there, that's fine. But Gunnar Stockton. Oh, he's Wigman's Wigman's increases value. Like, okay, that's fine. Fine. Okay. So, so five, five of the 12, because where's Taven Jackson at right now? Where's his? I was never, I was never drafting him. No, I understand that, but I'm going based off you're, you're drafting all these guys. We think all these guys are going to retain their value. We don't know that, though. Like, I get the arch, and Jackson Arnold's right there, too. Like Jackson Arnold, I'm, I don't have a problem with that either. Yeah, that, and Devin Brown, like, okay, but what if he loses that job and he transfers out and ends up 
not being what we think he's going to be. I love Sam Levitt. There's a shot that dude doesn't start for three years at Michigan State. I like Lincoln Kineholds. There's a shot he never starts at Ohio State. He, he may not be the starter next year. Like, I get the first part. That's what I said. I get the first four. I would not have done it. I get it. After that, though, I felt like it was it felt like it was a bit that you were just like, oh, I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> like that's what it felt like when I was watching the draft. Hey, so the one thing I will say on this, and I, I think like I've maintained this position for a long time, and you know, this is something that I've I've written about in our site too, uh, about freshman quarterbacks, but there is a profile that I target, and it's not one of like Taven Jackson, it's one of like Ty Simpson, Devin Brown, like the, like it, it, I don't want to conflate um, profiles that I don't target with quarterback profiles that I do. Like I I am willing to take like I have a ton of Connor Wegman from last year, even though we were we graded him lower than I think a lot of uh, maybe other services did. Like I have a lot of Connor Wegman, and he he was retained value. Like these players on aggregate Chris. retained value. I just I just Weird. think you, wait one last thing. Before I get roasted again, there is an assumption of risk after you get outside the third round of camp scan drafts. All you are trying to do is stay afloat. That's it. You're not trying to like like hit rates get to like 25, 15% outside the second round. Like it's it's tough. Even in the first and second round, it's it's really low. Trying to maximize high uh highly rated players is a strategy that I have in itself and trying to maximize quarterbacks, which are the most valuable position and ones who are highly graded and are going to good schools. I think that's a good strategy. I will, I will defend this till the day I die. Like I, I think I like my draft. I don't, he, he, he took, <laughs> he took nine freshmen and a Mecca Buka. No, I mean Devin Brown's technically a sophomore. Oh, Devin Brown, sorry, yeah. Devin Brown. So it's it's high yeah. oh. So eight true freshmen. Here's my here's Seven. my issue with that with that mox though is I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. It's the nine straight picks of it because I also I I, I get your you know the possible hit rate after second round and all this stuff, but. You're also then advising, if you're advising people to do this, you're assuming you're going to be able to trade some of those quarterbacks, which there's a chance that you may not. And you're not necessarily building out your team for future success because you're not going to have, like if you're ending up later on the draft to build out your wide receiver running back, or you're going to have to go with these CFF guys who don't necessarily have a chance of making it into the NFL, which that part has to matter. Like in a C2C league, your NFL team has to matter. I know some people don't care about their NFL teams and all they care about is their college side, but you have to help build that pipeline. You may not be able to trade those quarterbacks. Sure. Mox is thinking. I don't. Again, I don't have an issue with the it's first a... four. It's the rest. It's like, it's going <laughs> nine straight. <laughs> that's, that's where Boy. you lose me. I don't necessarily have an issue with your strategy. And like the, if you're leaving like first five rounds with like four, or three freshman quarterbacks. I actually don't think that's a bad strategy. It's, good it's strategy. leaving 10 rounds with nine quarterbacks and one wide receiver. So I'm just like, but what are you going to do for the rest of your team? Listen, you're underrating my Dentavious Braswell selection. Um, but I do, that's but I do think idea. when we talk about this, the strategy in general is, um, 
there are a lot of later hits between rounds like 11 and 20 that I think there are not like per round per se, but like I think between six and nine in terms of Kemp's scan rounds and then 11 and 20, I think they're probably similar hits at the running back and wide receiver position. Like there are players who are underrated who will eventually crop up. So I, I think because that I put a premium at quarterback and I put a premium on uh, highly rated quarterbacks, like that is my strategy. And it's, it's worked out fairly well over time, but I, I mean, we're just in a limited sample that I feel like, I feel like I'm on trial here. I feel like Alex, Where you are on trial. We're 10 minutes into C2C month. And Chris's recommendation is draft all true freshmen. To the people who you know haven't tried the this is ever. this is nothing new to people who know me. People who know it's, me know that this is my yeah, strategy. It's true. Um, all right, Matthew. Matthew, can you out here? Can you give some real advice for people who are trying the format for the first time? So I approach this very differently than Chris. Obviously, based on our last ten minute conversation, no here. quarterbacks. I- no, I, I actually do try to take at least one. I mean, so if we're using that mock as a basis, I did luck out with the number one pick. If you don't go Caleb or Drake there, I, th- I honestly think you're kind of doing that wrong. I do try to take a more Debbie-minded approach to the first couple rounds. And that is what I would suggest people do. I, I get that there's a, you know, Chris was mentioning outside of possibly top three rounds, like the hit rate kind of goes down. But I think that's because a lot of these players – your the betting upside on them being NFL contributors also falls off a little bit. I mean, in these top couple rounds, there's guys that you can still, I mean, rocket went in the second round, Braylon uh, Allen, who I, I still have questions about, but he went in the second round. I was trying to pull it up. There's a lot of guys that went in the second, third round that I still believe have real NFL upside. I would try to come away with at least a wide receiver and a running back that you can, you believe at least believe you can build your team on through the first four rounds personally that's the way that i like to do it i don't care if you want to go make like quarterback swing after that and before that i'm fine with that because i do understand there is a premium on quarterbacks most of these leagues are super flex some are three four quarterbacks on the college side two quarterbacks on the nfl side so having those college quarterbacks building up and going into the nfl is a massive advantage but if you're not building out at least in my opinion the rest of those positions it does hurt your team because there will be leagues where people are like, I'm not trading with Chris because he was the asshole who took nine quarterbacks and I'm not going to give him that out. There will be people who do that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but there will be people who do that. And I also think that like, again, some of those quarterbacks could lose their value. You may not be able to trade them later on to get that. Like I'll use, I see Austin's in the chat um, a couple of years ago. He took a couple quarterbacks, a different league, obviously uh, the program league where he got Kyle McCord. I mean, He just traded him to me this year for Lorenzo Styles. That's not necessarily the trade you wanted to make when you took Kyle McCord early on back in the day when you thought he might be the starter at Ohio State. And that's the chance that you're taking here for when you do that and take that many quarterbacks. So I just don't – I wouldn't suggest that. For me, I would try and balance it a little bit more. That's my personal approach. I try to balance my drafts a little bit more to have some wide receivers and running backs as well. I I think – I think my advice would be is to um, try not to miss. What I mean is, is I say try not to miss, but don't be afraid to play it safe in some respects. What I'm thinking of is, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, a wide receiver at Alabama, probably doesn't have a super high ceiling, but that dude is going to be drafted in the NFL. 
He's gonna be he's gonna be probably a day the round three, round four NFL draft pick somewhere in there, just because he's you know a productive player at Alabama possession wide receiver. He actually might be good. I, I still I don't think we haven't seen the best from Corey Brooks yet. He dealt with that uh depth chart nonsense earlier in the season last year. But you know, grabbing a player like that and not necessarily shooting for the ceiling every single time, like somebody has recommended. Uh, one of these three panelists has has recommended. So um, just not being afraid to, to bank some of that safety, you know, with some of the picks is, is something that I would recommend. Everybody's, everybody's advice is like, don't do what Chris did. Don't do what Chris did. Chris I, I, listen, how many leagues were y'all in with me that I won last year? I, the C2C league on the college side, I won. The 16-team league we have with the undroppables, I won. I'm just, I'm just saying, we're in a lot of leagues that I that I came out on top. It's not a bad strategy. Just- yeah, but I well, so I'm not in the undroppable one, so I can't speak for that. But I am in the other one where you did not take Years nine straight college quarterbacks. So well, that's an, that was an auction. So like, I bid up nine straight quarterbacks in a row to make sure you got those non-freshmen. All I'm saying. Oh, I, 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 I went very Matt, many quarterback in a can- league. Which yes. draft should be first, college or NFL? In my opinion, it should always be the college first. I, I know yes. some people like the NFL. Ah, yeah, I think it's always should be college first, always. And Chris agrees with you. I, I, I'm, I'd like to hear your justification for that. My I personally don't. Yeah, who are you talking to? Me or, me or Chris? Yeah, Matt, who are you talking Matt, to? I'm okay. sorry, I heard okay. that. Um, yeah. So I don't personally necessarily balance my teams up. Like if I have a certain strength on my college side, I focus on that on the NFL side. I know a lot of people do, but I do think that you should build out your college side first because it is just different than the NFL side. And it is in essence, your feeder program to the NFL. For me, I don't like building out my NFL team and then going back and doing the college team. It just seems weird. I I, I think that it gives you a little bit of a disadvantage on both the NFL and the college side compared to if you build out your college side, for instance, if Chris Moxley, does go if we were to play out this draft that we just did and he's got all these nine quarterbacks. Well, I'm using this as an example. You know that you don't have to go get necessarily th- possibly three high end studs on the NFL side right off the bat because you're like, hey, I'm going to have Ty Simpson, you know, Devin Brown, all these guys coming up my pipeline. I don't have to go super young on that. So maybe I can go a. Oh, God, who's going to be out of the league? Let's say last year. You could go like an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady type to build out your quarterbacks late in drafts and go super high in running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, because I know he loves his tight ends, early in the draft, knowing that that pipeline of quarterbacks is coming up through his college roster. If you do your NFL draft first, you can't do that necessarily, at least in my opinion. So that's why I prefer to draft the college side first. I, Mox, I want to hear your your take on this, but I feel like if I know what my the strengths and weaknesses are of my NFL team, and I do that draft first, then I can then I'm allowed to like fill the holes with the college draft. If I do it the opposite way, I just I, I prefer knowing what my NFL team looks like. But that's just me, Mox. Why, Mox? Why would you prefer the college draft first? So I prefer the college draft first because I think the first two, let's say three rounds of your college draft are basically an extent or basically like a shallow Debbie is the way I look at it, right? Like those are players who are going to probably immediately impact your NFL roster within two or three years, period. 
uh, you're looking at a guy like Caleb Williams or Raheem Sanders, Braylon Allen, right? Like these are all players who are going to be impact players. When you draft your college draft first, you have an idea of who's coming into your pipeline. And then when you can, when you draft the NFL draft, you are more willing to take a player like two years ago, Tom Brady, three years ago, Matt Ryan. Like it just opens up so many more possibilities to your uh, NFL side. And because there are less teams and less variability, I think you need to draft the NFL first because the variability aspect is so important or the, the college life first is the variability aspect is so important because you have set expectations on the NFL side. And so when you draft that college side first, you need to hammer positions, I think in line with your league expectations. I mean, I I've just always been a big fan of the college side first. Cause I think that that is what informs how you draft the NFL side from a strategic perspective because of the variance and variability. Like variance is just so much, so much different. I like, that's kind of my, always been my assumption. So you should limit variance later rather than earlier. A commenter in the chat adds biggest mistake newbies make is trying to fit the two rosters together perfectly and reach on the college side. So I'll, I'll yes. say college. First so you don't, do that uh okay all right um uh, let's get into to league settings matt do you have any particular league settings that you like i know you know on the college side i we've kind of experimented with this i don't know how much i like it but you can go i mean there are enough quarterbacks on, in in college where you can go triple flex so you can have you know your power five guy but if you go triple flex, triple super flex um, you can have, you know, somebody from the Mountain West or the MAC Conference or or uh, Conference USA, and it makes those players a little bit more valuable. I don't know. The argument could be that it puts too much value on the quarterback position, but if you do, you know, four-point passing touchdowns and limit yardage bonuses and all that stuff, I think that it could balance out. And it makes it more fun. I think the fun thing about Campus to King is, you know, paying attention to that Mountain West game, uh, Nevada versus Colorado state and you have players in that game um, that makes it a little bit fun. So that would be one particular setting that I like is potentially including a triple super flex. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I like that a lot. There's a couple that I joined. I want to say it was last year that we, we did that um, for me. I would open, I want to say as many flexes you can, but I, I would put a premium on opening multiple flexes because of what you just mentioned. You get a lot of those great, Mac games at the end of the year where like you get those players going off for like what Carson Steele had like 40 something points one Wednesday night a couple years ago you have some of these wide receivers didn't Konata Mumfield have like a massive game a couple years ago for Akron toward the end of the year like you get these guys having these massive games and people maybe a little bit worried of putting those guys in their lineups if you only have like say two flex spots and you're only starting two wide receivers so I personally like to open that up if you are a beginner doing it if you feel more comfortable doing it, you know, if you go talking about strictly like how dynasty leagues usually do it, where it's like super flex, two running back, two wide receiver, two flex, there's nothing wrong with that either. But I do think obviously with, with college uh, rosters, most of them are 45 uh, man deep. It is a little bit fun, I think, to expand the starting rosters a little bit more to allow a little bit more fluidity with your roster personally. So I always suggest going like if you can do three or four flexes, if you want to add one of those as another super flex, I love that. Because the other thing is, too, the quarterback scoring 
when you start playing C2C leagues, you'll realize that, yeah, there's still some guys up at the top, probably those top, I want to say eight or nine are kind of separated. But then once you get to like 10 through like 24, 30, like they're not separated by that many points. So it's not like the NFL side where there's a massive gap between like one and through five and then eight through 13. And then like you go look at the bottom of the super flex guys like the, well, Daniel Jones, a bad example this year because he was good. Like Baker Mayfield's of the world who are scoring you like eight points compared to even Daniel Jones, who was up at like QB 12 scoring you like 22. There's not that big of a gap on the college side of things. So I do like the third super flex thing, but if you're just starting out and you want to work your way into that, the difference with C2C and Dynasty Leagues is that's a much easier thing to implement than it is in a Dynasty League trying to add in a super flex spot. So if you want to start small first, do that. I think it's a lot of fun and then expand later. I do want to add that, you know, the standard roster on the college side of C2Cs is 45 players. You will probably need all of those players to start at some point in the season between bye weeks. You got to remember, it's college football. You'll you, Teams don't have one bye week. They might have three, you know, bye weeks. So, and then there, there are injuries. So you will probably start all of those players. Now, Fantrax has made that a little bit easier because um, uh, there's this automatic substitution thing. So if a player that you've played doesn't actually play, it'll sub in another player. But you will use, you know, I would say 80% of your roster on a week-to-week basis, especially if you're going to the playoffs and getting to the championship. So, uh, Mox, any particular settings, league settings that you enjoy that you uh, that you like? I have a few, um, and I feel like I'm just being singled out here because I have some. I feel like I have extreme views on Cam Scanton leagues and strategy that are just going to be so different from what y'all are saying. So my ideal starting lineup is 16 players or more. So. Three quarterbacks, three running backs, four wide receivers, two tight ends, five flex. That is 17 players. And I think that is my ideal uh, starting lineup. I think before I went to tight end premium, for example, I would much rather go to two two tight ends. Um, I hate the idea of two tight tight end. I hate the idea of tight end premium in the NFL. It's exacerbated in college where tight ends are even less of the offense uh you know on aggregate and so i i I think two tight ends is a much better strategy but i want to start like 17 players versus the you know generally speaking like 10 or 11 that you start in the nfl i just you have the opportunity to start so many players and i just think that you know i talk i talk about variants over and over and over but it's important when we talk about this format because like you said rosters are 40 45 sometimes 50 players deep you need to have a starting lineup that reflects that. Like you can't just be sitting like 20 points on the bench every single week. I just don't think that makes sense. And so I think you should be starting between like 16, probably between 16 and 18 players, I think is the sweet spot. And I, I just, I'm like, I'm a fan of expanded lineups. I think you should start three quarterbacks at minimum four if you want to do it. But I just, I just think that playing it safe on the college side just leads to like, I don't know less strategic outcomes and just incentivizes worse strategy from like managers of like people who own or like have teams in C2C leagues. I just think that when you expand roster size, you're getting the best strategic thinking out of every individual manager in your league. And so like, I I just think that's the right strategy. There's a big debate around here about waivers. 
uh, in Campus to Canton leagues. I, I think when these leagues first started, the standard form was to have a waiver window, like between two waiver windows between weeks four and five, and then between weeks like seven and eight or something like that, where you could pick a player. I find that format to be so confusing because I'm not like there's week zero, there's week one in college football. And then, you know, it just, it gives an advantage to someone who's got too much time on their hands to track those things. I'm sorry, PJ, PJ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, But, but I, I think, then the other question is, should you allow unlimited waivers? Because, you know, you don't want that player pool to get too uh, diminished. If I had to choose between those two, I'm picking unlimited waivers with FAB. That's fair. I also like having limited player pickups, but that you can take for at any time. I think I'm very much against the window thing. I don't like that at all. I don't like having the windows. Mox. How do you feel about how waivers should be set up? Yeah, I don't particularly the windows either. I, I and I'm the same, but like I don't pay that much attention to the weekly happenings of my league, like every single week. So if like waivers are running on certain weeks, I'm probably gonna miss it as well. I just I I think that's just a weird, like arbitrary like format. I I like it never made sense to me why we do I. I understand the argument, but it still never made sense to me. So I, I would much rather have unlimited or limited number, but you can pick those players up whenever. And so the argument for limited number has always been like, hey, we don't want to totally deplete the NFL player pool uh, in our potential rookie drafts on the other side. I understand that argument. Um I'm more in favor of like unlimited because I just think you're already depleting to the extent where it doesn't even matter at that point. But I would just much rather have it than some like arbitrary weeks. Like I, I can go either way on, on them. And I play in leagues with, with both of those strategies where it's like unlimited or you have like four to five pickups. Um, both make sense. Whoever created the window waiver period should be stoned to death. And I no, mean we're not. No, I we hate, are not. It is everybody's out here catching strays. dumbest, dumbest thing I've ever played in a fan. Like if I've joined leagues in the past year or so, and the people are like, oh, we're doing the waiver, I'm like, I'm out. I no, I don't want to play. I'm good. Cam scan, Debbie debate does not advocate for Sharia law. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate it's. It's not even the. Time? It's not even the not paying attention thing. Sometimes people just get busy. And if you miss the 8 a.m. waiver run on a Wednesday morning between week four and five, you are screwed. And it screwed me in a league two years ago. And I'm going to go with one, two, that I love playing in. I love Shaq, greatest commissioner, one of the creators of this incredible format. No waivers is extremely dumb as well. Because that almost cost me a championship this year in his league because I couldn't pick up a player and Disagree. I lost. Disagree. Four, Disagree. all my quarterbacks got injured and I could not make a move. No way. No way. Waivers with windows. No, no way. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Let me say, yes, let me say why. Not, no, because no, no, no. it doesn't create an advantage just or play disadvantage for anybody. But yeah, when you have, yeah, just play when basketball. you have, don't just play that wall. 
when you have no waivers, it doesn't create an advantage or disadvantage for anybody. It doesn't sway the league. When you have like these waiver windows, again, like the people who just have more time are able to put the stuff on the calendar and all that stuff. I thought we established we were stoning those people, according to Matt's version of PJ PJ is catching mad strays in this show. PJ is catching mad strays. I get that it doesn't give anybody an advantage or disadvantage, but it also, okay, again, Shaxley, it's a decent money pay-in. Yeah. And had I lost that league because I couldn't make a single waiver wire pickup because literally all of, I had eight quarterbacks on that roster and all of them got hurt. Should have picked healthier quarterbacks. I know that's my bad. I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't look at the farmer's almanac to find out when these guys were going down. So that's on, that's on you, brother. It is on me. I take the, I take the blame. I'm looking at that now for, for moving forward, but. So I, I do agree with the un, I like the unlimited fab that you brought up, Felix, because there is some strategy in there, especially if you don't allow unlimited waivers bids. with a limited fab. You know, maybe a yeah. hundred dollars or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. If so, if you don't lo- allow zero bid, which I would not, then you do have technically a limited amount of moves you can make once your fab is out. I personally lean toward, as Chris mentioned, the fab, but with limited moves, just that the window is open all the time. So you can say it's a lot of leagues that I do. It's four. You're allowed four moves a year. So you can make those four moves anytime between week one to week, whatever, 10. And you only, you still have only a hundred dollars to do it. So you still have to bid on players. So you can still be competing with somebody that week to possibly get that player, but it still allows some players to be in the pool. And it, I think it also invokes some strategy as well, because we see all the time in those first couple of weeks, some of these guys absolutely blow up in the CFF world, and you're like, oh, I got to go spend all this money on him. You may drop 60 bucks on him and waste one of your waiver moves, and then he ends up doing nothing. Like Jared Bradley for Texas Tech last year. A lot of people went and... Brandon, Brandon Thomas. Money. Brandon Thomas. They blew their... The guy who who jumped uh, for Felix there jumped him up to like RP20 something after one great Brandon week. Thomas from Memphis who had <laughs> health problems. He did. I mean, he did have health Jesus. problems. I mean, <laughs> he it's did. not like... But it wasn't just me. Go out there. There was another wide receiver, I think, from Texas Tech. Uh, I remember Jared. But there, there are there are a lot of positive players on this, like on this spectrum. Right. Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen like not drafted anywhere in a lot of places yeah. on the waiver wire. I remember trading to get a, a waiver wire pickup so I could pick him. Devontae Walker out a lot of places. Somebody like Dominic Lovett. Dominic Lovett, I have in my top 20 at wide receiver. At least up until this year, he was on waivers in a lot of places. Those these waiver wire pickups are very, very valuable. Oh, I mean, even Rasheen Ali a couple years ago, who I, yeah. I went on a waiver pickup yeah. like that. But that's why, that's why CJ like, Donaldson, CJ yeah. Don. I mean, I could, we could go on and on. Yeah. That's why I like the, the limited waivers with fab because it's a strategy thing. You have to decide if you want to use one of your claims on one of these players and then your fab money as well. So it adds a little bit more strategy in there because in a lot of leagues, I'm almost positive in some of the ones that Austin commissions, uh, you can also trade for Fab as well, which then just adds another layer of strategy into it, which I like. I like there being more strategy in there. So if you're going to do it, I would suggest either Fab Unlimited or Fab, you know, whatever, limited amount, whether it's four or five, just get rid of the windows because it, it's just, it's also very just confusing at the end of the day because that's the other part too. Like you said, if you don't have the timer, what happens if someone's, wife is giving birth to their child that day you didn't have time to put in for cj donaldson or whomever and then you miss that pickup well now you don't you don't get that waiver pickup back it's like oh well when week eight rolls around you can make two pickups no you still only get the one 
And if you miss it on that week too, you just missed out on any waiver pickups the whole year. Like I just and you miss. I mean, you miss. Be, it, it's a dime, and, and you miss out on that player for like the life of their. Yeah, yeah. And know those players can be really valuable. So, um, we are. It sounds like we are very much for, very much for no windows. I think that eventually there needs to be some you maybe one or two uniform options because that's in, in dynasty waivers are uniform either you get you know waiver priority or you get fab and that's kind of what what it is i hate having to remember from league to league in c2c which waiver rules they have all right um i want to do this exercise guys i want to to let's 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 say that we're in a startup i want to go through five rounds the first five rounds and you give me a foundational player for the college side of your C2C dress. And Chris is, is rubbing his hands together because I guess he's got some fire takes. So oh, I, just round four, one, I just got quarterbacks out of the wazoo, baby. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Should we, should we all give our round one foundational player? Or should, yeah, should we, we Yeah, let's, let's, see, let's that, go through each round together. Yeah. Well, let's, I, I wonder if every player Chris picks is going to be a true freshman. That's I guess let's case. see, Chris. Probably. Start us off. Round so, one foundational players, Chris Moxley, start, start us off. So I have one if you start in the beginning and one if you start at the end, because uh, I felt like that was a fair distinction. Uh, Caleb Williams, if you're picking first, of course. And Mekhe Buka, if you're picking outside the top six. I think that that's the guy I want to build my draft around, and I have done that multiple times this year. I think that he is a future first-round wide receiver. Uh, he is a little overshadowed because of just how good – Marvin Harrison Jr. is, but you know, if I'm picking like seven, eight, nine, Emeka a- 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 Buka is the guy that I'm taking. I'm taking him over Quinchon Judkins. I'm taking over Braylon Allen. Like I'm taking him over those guys. I just think he's an incredibly talented player. I, I man, I gotta, I, I gotta go. Why isn't the conference? Well, this is not the time to talk about like analysis on particular players, but isn't the comp for Emeka Buka like Juju Smith Schuster? No, it's better than that. It's, it's probably more of a like slot type wide receiver, but he's better than big Juju. slot type. Okay, yeah, he's better. Than Juju. I mean, I think personally. Yeah. All right, I, I've seen him compared to Debo Samuel. He's not as like versatile, but he he is a similar wide receiver type to DJ Samuel, DJ Moore, like those that range a lot more than he is like Juju Smith Schuster. He's an incredible route runner. And I think it just gets, as Moxley mentioned, overshadowed because of how good Marvin Harrison is. I mean, he doesn't have that breakaway speed. So I think that's the other part that maybe people don't like think he's that good. But I mean, he had top five receiving yard uh, season of all time at Ohio State last year. All time. Ahead of guys like Chris Carter and um, all these other great wide receivers now, number one was Marvin Harrison last year. He actually holds the record now, but I, and that's why Emeka gets overshadowed. So, yeah. He's, All right, give us yours, player. Matt. I'm. I'm it, it would it be would, that Marvin. It, w- it would be Marvin Harrison. Yeah, I think he's just a guy who who was not going to lose value no matter what happens this year, and I do think he is the type of wide receiver that will at worst be a wide receiver too at the NFL level. So I just don't think there's any way you miss with taking him at, in the first round, like. I get obviously I'm not at one one. I'm not taking over Caleb. I would say there's an argument to take him over Drake because I'm still a little worried about Drake. But Caleb's the only one like I think 
solid, no shot. He's got to go one. After, like, I just don't think you can miss on Harrison. So he would be my one building block. I So you guys, uh, well, I mean, Mock said Emeka Ibuka. That's, a, that's not a player that's not going to go in the first four picks. I tried to reach down just a little bit. And Nick Singleton is my guy uh, to, to start your um, – your round one with. I mean, I just think that I, I th- he's tremendously athletic. I think that he's a, he's the type of running back that I like. I love these bucking physical guys who are hard to tackle and just are no. on the high end of the force time mass equation uh, spectrum. So Nick Singleton is there for me. I think he. I mean, he had he had an excellent freshman season. I think that you know the Jonathan Taylor type comps are probably eventually going to come uh, for him once he gets to the NFL. It's just a really, really good player. And he, you know, yeah, Nick Singleton is that dude. Um, Brief housekeeping tip before housekeeping moment, before we get to round two foundational players, as a part of campus to Canton month, we're going to be doing some giveaways. One of those giveaways is uh, this, uh, we can call it the RSP giveaway, the Matt Waldman RSP giveaway. If for new NIL yearly subscribers, if you purchase a Campus to Canton NIL yearly subscription, we will buy your RSP. That comes out uh, uh, April 1st. So as a part of the NIL package, you get all of the content. Everything that, that, that we have at Campus to Canton, the, all the, the athletic comparison tool, the charting tools, the player summaries, all of our rankings plus you get the uh freshman and supplemental draft guide which dropped today the debbie guide which is going to is going to be coming later this spring and the cff guide plus now this is a little limited supply here plus this year as celebrating campus to Canton month you will get the rsp i mean we will get your copy of the rsp it's a great deal if that's something that you're interested in go ahead and shoot me the proof of your NIL subscription yearly subscription purchase at Sharp Review on Twitter, and we'll get you set up so we can get your your RSP for you. Thank uh, Matt for um, uh, you know his support of what it is that we're doing here at Campus to Canton. My round two guy, I'm I'm double tapping Penn State. Drew Aller is my third ranked quarterback, and you see him often going in the second round. I think he's going to light it up this year. I don't know that he's Josh Allen. I think that that's been the comparison for him. He he's a little bit, he lumbers a little bit more um, than than John. I would say that he's a, he he can be C.J. Stroud ish, C.J. Stroud ish, but has, probably has a stronger arm than C.J. Stroud. And I I think if you took him at the end of the first round, I would be fine with that. He's going in the second round. Sign me up for Drew Aller. Uh, Mox, who you got? Second round foundational player. I'm going to give you two for every round, depending on, you know, where you're drafting in the round. Uh, Cedric Baxter and Dante Moore. So two freshmen that I want to build my team around. Cedric Baxter is our RB1. If you are reading the freshman and supplemental guide, you will get a whole breakdown on why we have rated him there. Very good player coming out of Texas or going to Texas, I should say. Dante Moore heading to UCLA, incredible high school career in uh, Michigan, just awesome player. I think both can be legit NFL guys. So I'm going to build my, I want to, round two is I think where you get value on freshmen. And I think 
that's where I want to build a, a team out of. So I, you know, if I can get Mecca Buka or Dante Morris at your backs around two, I, I, I like that. And I love the guy that Matt has next. I didn't want to take him cause he already had him. So I will save it for Mr. Bruning. Yeah. I only went him because Felix went drew actually. I, that would have been my guy. So oh, um, I went with the uh, damn. I went with Malachi Nelson. Um, this is in that range where, like, I, I'm with Chris. Um, I know Austin has mentioned, too, that he would take Malachi even at the turn at the one in the first round. I've done that. I, I've done that yeah. multiple times yeah. this year. It just seems like one of the best bets you can make in not just college football, but in a college football draft to bet on a Lincoln Riley quarterback. We already know that this kid has got all the talent in the world. He's going to sit for one year behind Caleb and then be with Lincoln Riley for two years. I mean, you could, I would say it's a, a great bet to make a bet on him winning a Heisman in the future. Like it's just one of the safest bets you can make. Um, and that's going to retain value. Again, look at what he's been able to do for Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, now Caleb Williams. Even if you, at the end of the day, don't think Malachi Nelson's going to be a good quarterback, his value will be so high. You will be able to trade him for King's ransom at the end of the day. And, and Malachi Nelson, it's we made fun of Chris in his his uh, suggestions my, to start the show. Killed. But the, but this this is a very good freshman quarterback class. And Malachi Nelson's value, you don't say, is is not is not going to go down this year. It's not going to decrease because he's going to sit behind Caleb huh. Williams and he will be the projected starter come twenty twenty four. And quite frankly, if he is a First round startup pick next year. That would not necessarily be a surprise. surprise. He's so, almost he's a borderline first round pick this you, year. If listen, you're in my you, draft. you took Sam Levitt. You took Sam Levitt in Lincoln Kineholes, which enough already. Enough already. I, I um, took I took I also took Malachi. I think one twelve or one or two one in our uh, WWE draft we had the other the other week. Matt, let's I'm circle all, back I'm all in. For, your, yeah. for your third round guy. Give us your third round guy. Uh, so for my third round guy, I man, this is this is coming up aces here for Chris Moxley all of a sudden. <laughs> we should, let me go, let me pull up our ADP for the third round real quick so I can change this. Uh I've got Nico on here, and not necessarily because he's a freshman quarterback. It is a lot to do though That's with crazy. that offense and uh his talent. I don't know that his value won't decrease or increase. I I, I do think he's going to get on the field at some point. I know how Joe, how good Joe Milton looked in that Clemson game, but everything I've seen from Joe Milton before that worries me a little bit. So if Nico's able to get on the field and look at all productive in this offense, which I expect he will, even if you don't think he has the you know ability to fill out a little bit more and be more consistent, become an NFL quarterback. I mean, there were points at time this year that Hendon Hooker was getting quote-unquote first-round draft capital buzz. Nico has more talent than Hendon Hooker. If he's able to go out there for three or possibly even four years if he comes back for a senior and give you just those points alone on co in college, I think a third-round pick is well worth spending on him. Um, and then if he ends up getting some possible NFL draft capital buzz, again, if you don't think he's going to be a good player, you can trade him down the line. But he's a guy I would 100% be willing to bet on just for the college upside alone in the third round. Mox? I'll keep it to one because I know we overlap here. I am going to go with Arch Manning, another freshman quarterback. 
his last name is Manning. He's going yeah. to Steve Sarkeesian's offense. I like. I just don't know how you can go wrong with him in like the third round. I I just think he's a hundred percent locked in to get to increase in, in value. And I, you know, I just if he starts and he's bad, the excuse will be, well, he wasn't ready. He was a freshman. Let's just see what he does year two. I just think you have so much insulated value, and I think the upside is pretty good because I. He is a very good this, quarterback himself. This is the year to implement this strategy, Chris. I mean, that's oh like if, wow, if there's that's going to be a year where you that's take. That's crazy. Nobody did that in a mock, huh? And was mock get ready to for 15 minutes to start the show. <laughs> uh, uh, my third round guy, Zachariah Branch, uh, the wide receiver going to USC. Now, this is where I'm shooting. Wait, another for, another freshman who retained for, value for ceiling. So. When huh. you look at the, I mean, when you look at the third round, and you know, I should have gave the pick that this that 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 he's going. He just presents the highest ceiling. Um, uh, you know, a player on the Jalen Waddle kill spectrum. He's got a 10 400, 400 meter dash time to it. I mean, he actually, no, excuse me. He, I think he has a 10 100 meter dash time uh, to his name. So, um, you know, somebody's going to return punts. Lincoln Riley is able to get players open. The only problem I have is if he is on the shorter side, you know, he is a small, he is. Listen, I really liked Mario Williams. I get mocked and ridiculed for that. Uh, uh, Zachariah branch is a better athlete. He's going to return punts there, but if he's a, if he was a slot receiver at Bishop, Bishop Gordon, that's the same place that, that Mario Williams plays. He could probably play outside also, but he, I mean, he definitely has game breaking speed. He's going to be playing with, um, with Malachi Nelson. So he's just, there's just a, too much upside to pass up with Zachariah branch there uh, in the third round. And, you know, if he hits his value is just going to skyrocket. So Zachariah branch, is my third round guy, I'll go ahead and give my fourth round guy. I'm going to get mocked and ridiculed for this. It's uh, it's, it's Jackson Arnold. It's Jackson. Oh, Arnold, no way. Freshman quarterback quarterback. To Oklahoma, who's got do some dual threat ability to him. I lot like Matt Corral or uh, or Sam Howe. Sam Howe is his last season there. And he's playing with Jeff Levy, his offensive coordinator. Jeff Levy's going to run him on read option. He's going to run RPO. I think those things suit his skill set. Like, I think this is a good um, player, offensive coordinator match. Uh, and after Dylan Gabriel leaves Oklahoma, it's going to be all up for, for Jackson Arnold. I there are five guys in this class that are really, really attractive as far as values go, and Jackson Arnold is one of them. So here in the fourth round, I'm taking Jackson Arnold. Mox, who you got? So I had Arch Manning and Jackson Arnold in my third round because I would take them there. I find it funny that after the first 15 minutes of this show, um, it's interesting how many freshmen we're, we're taking and how many quarterbacks we're building our strategies around. I, I don't know. I just, it's just interesting to me. Um, but I will avoid the Jackson Arnold in round four, and I will, I'll give three running backs. Roderick Robinson, the second out of Georgia, an incredibly size just incredibly good size adjusted athlete for the position. Uh, a big boy who I didn't, I didn't is, realize he had over a 22 mile per hour. Uh, oh, he, yeah, time. he's, I was like, oh. Yeah, he's a, a freak athlete at his size. He's like an incredibly, incredibly good player and going to a, a school that has traditionally developed running backs fairly well in Georgia. 
Uh, I think Jason McClellan, Justice Haynes, both Alabama running backs are pretty interesting here as well. McClellan is probably going to be the lead back as a fourth-year player, a uh, player who we saw catch passes, and I think the Alabama wants to deploy him that way. And then Justice Haynes, who I think is probably second-best running back in this class. I, you know, I, I don't think a fourth-round value on any of these players is, is bad at all. Yeah, so for mine, I went with uh, Brandon Ennis, uh, the Ohio State. <laughs> Another Ohio freshman. State freshman. Uh, <laughs> so he fits the Brian Hartline mold of these guys that he just goes after, these very savvy route technicians right around the same size as both Garrett Wilson and JSN. He can play inside. He can play outside. He is good on special teams, return multiple punts and kickoffs for touchdowns this year alone for American Heritage. He is the one that I think will break multiple year one zeros for them this year, even with as loaded as that wide receiver room is. I know he's not massive. He's only listed at uh, what, 5, 5, 11, 180. I just think he's going to be that good. He's not going to test as like the superior athlete or anything like that, but he is the guy that I think will be like the next Garrett Wilson uh, for the Buckeyes over the next couple of years. And, and he, you know, he doesn't have to worry about quarterback play or the offense not being good moving forward. So he's a guy that I would bet on. It's going to end up being a first round pick uh, for, uh, for your NFL squad later down the road as well. All right, is it back to me on? Is it back to me on f- fifth round? Last one, yeah. fifth round, fifth round foundational player. Now we're starting to get more speculative, and this player. So I'm going Devontae Walker here. Devontae Walker is ADP is actually outside of the fifth round. I have no problem taking him in the round. He's going to be Drake May's number one wide receiver you have to think he's going to be drake may's number one wide receiver he'll probably be the most athletic out of if you haven't watched Devontae's Devontae walker play I think christian christian watson is a good comp for him there are these players on the christian watson spectrum i think that includes martavis bryant and includes quite frankly it includes on the lower end of the spectrum uh mark mark marquez valdez scantling but these guys who are six foot three 100 and 200 pounds who can run you know a four four and, and get vertical that's what uh, Devontae Walker is, and he might. I think he has a more complete skill set. I was in a dynasty DLF uh, 2024 rookie mock draft, and I took Devontae Walker in the second round. I think that we could really see him elevate his profile. So here in the fifth round, I'm taking Drake May's number one wide receiver in Devontae Walker uh, to re- kind of round out my foundational players here. Mox, who you got in the fifth round? Yeah, I think I would be between a couple different wide receivers. Um, you know, I'm trying to give advice to the masses, so I don't want to inundate them with quarterback propaganda, even though that's my, might be what I would do. Um, I'll give you two. I think Makai Lemon is a really interesting pick here. He is the other wide receiver going to USC. Uh, I think he's a really good player and will probably feature, you know, pretty prominently at the end of the year and then early next year, I think Tet McMillan is the other one who he, he's a wide receiver at Arizona. Uh, we had a lot of questions about him coming into this, uh, into last year. I think he answered a lot of them. I still question his athleticism and like what that upside is for the NFL, but he will be a very productive player and he's still very young. So I think there's a 
good reason to bet on the upside of probably both those dudes. Yeah, I, I like uh, both those calls. So for mine, I hadn't picked a running back yet, and this is actually where I like to try and attack running backs as I get through the C2C, if I, especially if I go heavy, wide receiver, and quarterback, depending on where I'm picking early on. I want Ruben Owens because I think he satisfies both of what you want, a CFF guy and a guy who has that NFL upside. Depending on what recruiting service you look at, he's their number one running back. Extremely good receiving back. Now, I still think he's a little bit raw of a runner, but we have him ranked at a top. Or he's uh, over 21 miles per hour. He's one of the faster guys in this class. I think he shows some nuance as a runner. Um, I know Austin's big thing he's brought up before is like he struggles a little bit to gear down. That could come as he goes and grows. And at Texas A&M, one thing we know, you have to go all the way back to Dalvin Cook at Florida State to find a running back who has gotten over 200 carries with Jimbo. Like He does not you know, just punish these guys every single year and have them get 250, 300 carries. So he's likely going to be fairly, I don't want to say well-rested, but hopefully healthy going into the NFL. And I understand he's on the older end of this running back class. Once these guys get to the NFL, I don't care. If he's drafted in the second round, I just want him for those first four years of his rookie contract. And if I trade him, I trade him, whatever. I just want him to be on my team and be good for the first four years of his career. We'll see what happens after that. Uh, so I think he brings you that CFF upside playing for the Aggies and then likely is going, or at least right now, the outlook is probably a day two draft pick in the NFL. So you win on both ends on that side. All right. I think that's the fifth round. So we uh, we got a lot done on this show. We made fun of Chris for his suggested strategy. And then when it got to this last part, we basically implemented the same strategy. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curve Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Chris Mosley and Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Do you want to end it? Yeah, I do. <laughs>